Yes, I am wearing slippers. I hope that... Could you put your hand up if you're wearing slippers? That's very impressive. And for those of you who aren't wearing slippers, um, I'm sure that you're still feeling really comfortable and relaxed, but I hope so anyway. So, um, this afternoon, as Hannah and Anna have already said, we're going to be thinking a little bit about Sabbath. What does it mean to honour the Sabbath? Um, and this is something that, um, that I've been personally quite challenged on recently, and something that I really feel that God is speaking to me about, and something that I don't think uh, we think about um, a lot, really. So, I'm just going to start by reading you the beginning of this book, which um, is a book by a Jewish theologian called um, Abraham Joshua Heschel, and it's about the Sabbath. Um, and I think to understand the Sabbath, it's really important that we, we understand how the Jews saw the Sabbath, what um, a Jewish Sabbath might look like. So I'm just going to read the start of this book. And this is written by um, Abraham Heschel's daughter in the introduction of this book. When my father raised his kiddush cup on Friday evenings, closed his eyes and chanted the prayer, sanctifying the wine, I always felt a rush of emotion. As he chanted with an old, sacred family melody, he blessed the wine and the Sabbath with his prayer. And I also felt he was blessing my life and that of everyone at the table. I treasured those moments. Friday evenings in my home were the climax of my week, as they are for every religious Jewish family. My mother and I kindled the lights for the Sabbath, and all of a sudden I felt transformed emotionally and even physically. After lighting the candles in the dining room, we would walk into the living room, which had windows overlooking the river, facing west, and we would marvel at the sunset that soon arrived. The sense of peace that came upon us as we kindled the light was created in part by the hectic tension of Fridays. Preparation for a holy day, my father often said, was as important as the day itself. During the busy mornings, my mother shopped for groceries, and in the afternoons, the atmosphere grew increasingly nervous as she cooked. My father came home from his office an hour or two before the sunset to take care of his own preparations. And as the last minutes of the work week came to a close, both of my parents were in the kitchen, frantically trying to remember what they might have forgotten to prepare. Then suddenly it was time, 20 minutes before sunset. Whatever hadn't been finished in the kitchen, we simply left behind as we lit the candles and blessed the arrival of the Sabbath. My father writes, The Sabbath comes like a caress, wiping away fear, sorrow and sombre memories. So I don't know about you, but I find that description of um, Sabbath, of this sacred day um, of rest for the Jewish people, I find it a really moving and a really beautiful picture. And for the Jews, this ancient practice of the day of rest, the Sabbath, um, was incredibly important, and it still is. And Sabbath simply means rest. It's a day a week which is set apart to God to rest. And I wonder what it means for us today. I wonder what it means um, for Christians to think about what does it mean to honour the Sabbath? Because the more I um, thought about this special day, this sacred day, um, the more I realised actually there, were, there was some aspect of it um, that was missing from my understanding of Sabbath. This isn't just an ancient Jewish practice, but it's something that is fundamental to God's commands for how he wants humanity to live. 
And as we go on to think about what Sabbath rest might mean for others, um, I want to say that actually I don't think I've sorted all this out in my own head. I don't think that um, I have a kind of perfect Sabbath life. In fact, actually, um, I, I don't do this very well myself. The reason I'm standing up talking about this is because I feel personally challenged uh, to change how I think about rest and to change how I think about the Sabbath. And I think for everybody here, um, how you apply this idea is going to be different for each one of you. Um, we all come from different places, we all um, have different work lives, um, some of us are students, some of us are parents, um, everybody here is going to be different and the outworking of how we honour the Sabbath is going to be different from each one of us. So I think a good place to start if we want to understand Sabbath is at the beginning with the creation story. The idea of Sabbath or rest is a vital aspect of this, the story of the creation of the universe from Genesis chapter 1. We have this beautiful account which is presented of God creating in space. God creates the mountains with his hands. He works, he grapples, he places each star in place, he makes the animals, he makes the human beings. Genesis chapter 1 tells the story of God the artist, God the gardener, God the labourer. It paints for us a picture of a God who not only values work, but works himself. And that's something that um, I'd love to talk about more, um, but it's not something I have time to talk about. But I think part of honouring the Sabbath for us um, is also going to be to think about, do we work? Do we spend our week working for God? So that's something you might want to think about. So in the creation of the universe, there is a God who works through physical stuff, through physical space and matter. And then right at the end of this story of the creation of the physical universe, um, we're told in Genesis chapter 2, the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So I wonder what you think about those verses from the creation story. Genesis tells us that God himself rested. And a thought occurred to me recently, which is that God didn't rest because he was really tired. I mean, God isn't under the same physical constraints as we are. He's the powerful God of the universe. But we're told here in the Bible that he rested from his creation. And I think often that we, we think of rest as being um, a negative thing. We think of rest as just being um, the opposite of working. And actually, the, word, the Hebrew word used here for rest is the word menhua, which is... Um, not an, and it's not a negative rest at all. There's actually something very positive about the kind of rest that, that God entered into. For, for God, rest wasn't a withdrawing from work, but it was an entering into the state of rest, menhur. And in, in Jewish thinking, this, this word rest um, started to, to be understood as um, eternal, peaceful, happy life with God. And so we might think that God didn't um, pull back from his world on the seventh day, 
But actually, the seventh day was as much of an act of creation as the other six. God created this space of rest on the seventh day. And interestingly, um, God then calls this day, this space of rest, holy. And this word literally means set apart for God, removed from the ordinary. And this isn't a word that's used a lot in the Bible. This isn't something that God just kind of casts around on anything. Actually, the, the Bible writers set aside this word holy for only the most sacred things. So the name of God is called holy. The place where God dwells is called holy. But God sets apart this day of rest, this sacred moment, and he calls it holy. It's something that's set apart. So if we fast forward um, quite a few years to the book of Exodus, we see God's people. Uh, we see the Jewish nation, um, Israel. And they, they've been freed from slavery, from the oppressive regime in Egypt. Um, and under the leadership of Moses, they're, Moses, they're in the desert. Um, searching for the promised land that God um, has promised to give them. And then there's this really dramatic story in in Exodus 19 of Moses coming up and down the mountain, talking to God and then talking to the people. And then finally, um, we see the climax of this story in Exodus 20, um, when God reveals um, these commandments to Moses. He reveals his plan for how he wants his people to live. And you might have heard of them. Uh, They're called the Ten Commandments. And possibly the the Ten Commandments are one of the most significant moral revelations in the history of mankind. And the whole of Western law and morality um, echoes back to these first principles that God spoke to, to mankind. God descended onto earth and gave his people rules in that told them how he wanted them to live. So however we view the law of the Old Testament, and however we view um, the laws that are written there, the Ten Commandments, I think, are fundamental to understanding um, God's commands to his people. And most of the time they seem pretty common sense to us. Um, They still seem to apply pretty well. Don't murder. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Honour your parents. Don't make idols. These are pretty common sense commandments that um, we all just kind of take for granted. And I think um, we often forget that amidst these commandments for living, um, amongst these commandments which tell us how we should live with one another and live with God, there's this command about Sabbath. And it says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, from the creation story, we're told that God set aside a certain day and called it holy. And here in the Ten Commandments, we see God commanding the same thing to his people, the Jews. He tells them to set aside a day a week to enter into this rest. Like the story of creation, human beings work for six days. We we farm crops, 
we build buildings, we teach, we make money. And I reckon the whole of um, human history can be summed up in this idea that human beings attempt to conquer space. We attempt, um, we kept, we attempt to further the human race by building and working through space. But this isn't the complete picture of how God created the universe. Remember, on the seventh day, God entered into rest. God created something precious in time. Listen to how um, Abraham Joshua Heschel describes this idea of Sabbath. We cannot solve the problem of time through the conquest of space, through pyramids or fame. We can only solve the problem of time through a sanctification of time. To men alone, time is elusive. To men with God, time is eternity in disguise. Creation is the language of God. Time is his song, and the things of space, the consonants of that song. To sanctify time is to sing the vowels in unison with him. This is the task of men to conquer space and to sanctify time. So as well as this being um, quite profound and interesting um, idea and quite an interesting theology of Sabbath, it has a really practical outwork. For the Sabbath day, a whole nation would simply stop working for a day. And this, interestingly, it's not just a command to the man of the house, it's not just a command to the, the guy that would go out working the farm, the guy that would be tending the animals in the fields. This is a command for everybody in the household. It's a command for children, servants, animals. For the Jewish people of the time, their work would be incredibly physical and demanding. And God commands them to rest. So practically speaking, the Sabbath men resting from their work. But as we noticed earlier, rest isn't just this kind of negative pulling back from work, but God invites us to enter into a space of rest. The whole point of the Sabbath is that we devote a day to God. We spend time in worship. And crucially to the Jewish understanding of Sabbath was this idea that we gather as a nation. We gather um, as God's people to worship him on this day. So let's fast forward um, a few more years to the time of Jesus. And by this time in history, a lot of um, the Jewish law and a lot of the understanding of the Ten Commandments had become quite a complicated and legal effect. So the command not to work, the command to have Sabbath, had been taken to, the, to its extreme. And apparently the, uh, the Pharisees, who were the, the Jewish legal experts at the time, um, used to say that spitting on the dust on the Sabbath day would have been unlawful because your, your spit would gather up the mud and it would make mortar, which was work. And apparently, um, if a chicken lays an egg on the Sabbath day, if you want to eat that egg, um, you have to make sure you kill the chicken because the chicken has worked by producing an egg on the Sabbath. So the chicken is unlawful. If your candles go out in your house on the Sabbath day, um, you can't light them again because to do that would be to work. So what was intended to be this beautiful day of rest and worship um, had become totally distorted by um, legalism, been distorted by people that had taken it to the extreme. 
And then we see this um, incredibly um, powerful story in Mark's Gospel. When Jesus is with his disciples, he's walking along, um, and it's on the Sabbath day. And his disciples are picking the heads off the, the top of the grain in the fields. And they know full well that this is a totally against the Pharisees' understanding of Sabbath. This is breaking um, the laws that the Pharisees have laid down. And Jesus' reply to them, the Pharisees, when they challenge him, is amazing. He says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then later in the same passage, we see um, Jesus healing people on the Sabbath. Uh, and again, the Pharisees are outraged at his blasphemy of breaking one of the Ten Commandments. But without getting bogged down too much into um, any sort of theology of how the New Testament and the Old Testament laws relate, I think we can see here that Jesus is attempting to reclaim this idea of Sabbath. He's trying to reclaim this idea of how God intended people to rest. He's trying to prevent the Sabbath being something which um, enslaves people, which people see as legalistic. But I wouldn't say that Jesus is anti-Sabbath, rather he's anti-legalism. And so I think whatever, um, whatever conclusion we come to about the Sabbath, however um, we think that we should obey um, this command in our own lives, we need to bear this in mind, that we can't be legalistic about this. We can't, um, we can't put in this kind of kill the chicken rules in our own lives. So what about us today? How do we approach this idea of Sabbath? Maybe it's not something um, you've thought about a lot. To me, a lot of the time, growing up, my understanding of um, the Sabbath day was it's the day that... Um, you go to church and you do your homework, essentially. And these days, I think, since I've started going to church on a Sunday afternoon, my understanding of Sabbath is it's the day that you have a lie-in um, and then you go to church. That, that's kind of been as much as my understanding of Sabbath has been. So how do we approach this idea of Sabbath? I think... Um, and I include myself in this, that um, our understanding of Sabbath has become very man-centric. We've we kind of made it about work-life balance. Make sure you take a day off at some point in your week. Make sure you don't work too hard. And I think that's really important, so don't get me wrong. I don't want you to come away from here thinking, oh, God doesn't care if we work too hard. Um, I think it's really important that we do have a healthy work-life balance, that we do um, rest effectively. But that's not all there is to this idea of Sabbath. Remember in the, the creation story, God doesn't withdraw from work. He enters into rest. So what does this idea of entering into rest look like? So I have a few thoughts on this to get us thinking. And hopefully you'll have a chance at the end of the meeting to, to try and work these out a little bit more together. Um, and as you go into the week, um, I, I urge you to think about this more, to discuss it. Because I don't think it's necessarily a simple matter what it looks like. But I do think it's important to think about. So firstly, I think the idea of resting from work, for us, has become quite a complicated thing. For most of us, um, our work isn't in the fields or on the farms. I spend most of my week um, working 
by reading philosophy books, um, which some people might say is not even work. <laughs> but I can assure you it is. So for me, observing a Sabbath means actually um, entering into rest looks like probably not reading philosophy books for on the day that I call the Sabbath. But for some people, Sabbath might be the perfect time to read philosophy books. It might be the time um, that you enter into this idea of rest, that you engage in worship. And some people, reading philosophy books, and I urge you to do that on your Sabbath, might be an excellent thing for you to do. But I also think um, the other way that our work has got more complicated is that um, we need to think about what are the sort of things that take over our attention? What are the things that distract us from time, from making time sacred? And I don't know about you, but um, I spend a lot of my life looking at screens. In fact, I'm looking at a screen right now. And I think um, often um, our phones, our TVs, our iPads, our computers can just become a distraction from time. They distract us from enjoying time properly, from being present, from enjoying the company of our family and friends and the presence of God. So it might be for you that um, part of honouring the Sabbath is that you retreat from technology. You say that actually my emails can wait until Monday morning. Um, I'm not going to watch any TV because actually um, that's not the best way for me to worship God. It's not the best way for me to rest. So Sabbath might be a time for you to retreat from these things. The second thing that I think we could think about together is that this idea of family. And this is something that um, Hannah and Anna have already introduced to us. And this is going to be different um, for all of us. For many, for many of you who are students, actually seeing your biological family once a week um, is going to be very difficult for you to do. But you have ask yourself, who are your family in York? Who are the people that it's important for you to spend quality time with? And I probably think if you look around you, um, the answer will probably be sitting fairly near to you. So make sure we spend quality time with family. And for those of us who do have our family in York, um, I'm aware that for people with, um, especially young children, spending time um, together isn't always the most physically restful thing to do. But I think it's really important that we, we, we take this into our understanding of rest. That rest isn't just about physically withdrawing from work, but it's about being together as a family. It's about being together as a community. So, secondly, I think Sabbath for us is about entering into this idea of rest as a family. And finally, I think Sabbath is all about worship. How is it that you worship God? Because this day of Sabbath is something that God has set apart for us from creation. And it's crucial that we understand that Sabbath isn't just about resting from work that is about worshipping God. So in the busyness of living, um, it's important that we remember God, that we pray and that we seek God in our week. But the idea of Sabbath is that we have a chance to focus on God entirely. That we have a time to devote our, our week to God. And so it's important that personally we spend time 
praying, we spend time seeking after God. And again, I don't know what that looks like for you. But ask yourself that question. How is it that I worship God? And this worship isn't just a personal thing, but it's also um, a family thing. It's also a community thing. Worshipping on the Sabbath has always been about the gathering of God's people to seek him. And I know that Sunday isn't always the easiest day to not work. And it's not always possible um, for us to have a Sunday off. But I think it's essential that part of Sabbath is gathering together as God's community to worship him. And I think if we kind of just pick our own Sabbath somewhere in the week, we defeat the point of Sabbath, which is that we gather together to worship God. So I think if you can make your Sabbath, your day of rest, this day on a Sunday, when we gather together, then I think it's really important that you do. And I know for some people, and um, I'm included in that as well, church often doesn't feel very restful. And I don't necessarily know what the answer to that is. But I think part of it is this to understand rest in this broader sense of not just being about physical rest from work, but about gathering together to seek God. And I know that serving God um, at church can be restful. Putting chairs out, playing instruments, speaking, doing the PA, leading the kids' work, that can be part of our worship and it, it can be a rest for us. So I don't know how you think about that idea. Maybe um, you sigh when you read the rota on the in the week and you go, ah, I'm, on, I'm, I'm serving at G2 again on Sunday. And I would say to you, honestly, if, if uh, G2, if church has become a place of work for you, um, then you need to think about how you serve. Because at the end of the day, we gather here together as a community to worship God. We gather here to enjoy each other's company to gather as a community. And so honestly, if we turn up next week and there was no coffee, there were no tables laid out, there was no PA, do you think we could still gather together to worship God? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that we do do that. But what I am suggesting is that um, if what you do as church is not worshipful for you, if it's not restful for you, then why do you do it? Maybe it's something that you need to withdraw from for a time. Or maybe it's something you need to pray about and seek God and ask, how do I approach church? So lastly, Sabbath is about worshipping God as part of our church family. So what we're going to do now is spend some time um, thinking about this. We're going to spend some time responding. And like I said already, I don't have um, all the answers to this. I don't think that I'm really good at keeping the Sabbath. But I do feel like there's something really important that we reclaim here. And I really want to urge you that, um, that you take this command seriously from God to enter into rest. The Sabbath, these days, these moments in time that we have are made for us. They are set apart for us. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man. It has been set apart from God, from creation, as a time for his people to worship him, to build community together, to enjoy family, to rest from their work. 
So what is it for you that would help you to enter into this space of rest? We're just going to spend some time singing together now. And you might want to stand up and sing. Um, You also might want to sit down and reflect and think about some of these ideas. Um, But however you use this space, just try and um, think about this idea of Sabbath and how are you going to take this forward into your life. Thank mm-hmm. you.